Now, scripture's already been read this evening, but I want to lift up parts of verses 3 and part of verse 8. In verse 3, the king asks Nehemiah, why are you so sad? You're not sick. And Nehemiah responded by saying, why would I not be sad when the city where my father's tomb lies at waste and its gates are burned with fire? Through that scripture, Nehemiah also asked for safe passage by sending letters. And he wanted the king to grant him permission to go and rebuild Jerusalem. In verse 8, the scripture says, And the king granted his request according to the good hand of his God upon his life. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for this time and opportunity. We ask God that you would bless the word, bless the hearer, that we might be motivated to move to a place of solution with the civil unrest we're experiencing in our cities right now. In the name of Jesus, we pray and give you thanks. Amen. <clears throat> Excuse me. If I had to tag a topic to this message, it would be, I would be sad, but the hand of God is on me. Charles Shores said in, May, in the May 1984 Reader's Digest, one of the refreshing marks of young people is their idealism. He says, even if you've known from years of experience, a young person's ideals are not practical, their zest can inspire faith and hope in those of us who have may have lost our vision somewhere in the many battles of life. Someone has said, ideals are like the stars. We may never reach them, like the, but like the mariners of the sea, we chart our course by them. As we mature, we learn that the world, real world isn't quite as perfect as we once envisioned. Once a jaded pastor said, originally my life's goal was to win the world for Christ. And then it became win one or two people. Now his view is try not to lose too many. And while it's overly pessimistic, there's a grain of wisdom buried in his comment and we would do well to think about it before we rush into any service for the Lord. As we consider the social and civil political unrest that we're experiencing in our nation right now, how could we not be sad? And at the same time, be excited about the movement that we see our young people engaging in as they seek healing and equality across our country. They see the wrongs that are being committed against black and brown people. They see the economic disparities experienced by poor people. They see the health inconsistencies with COVID-19 in full effect. There's a demographic of people who have seen the destruction that, that is in our communities and they want to be a part of the rebuilding. But they need the favor of the king. They need the favor of government officials to get the ball moving in the right direction in order to begin rebuilding our cities that our foreparents had already built. There are times in all of our lives when we have been somewhere or seen something or someone who needed help and yet we remained silent because we didn't think we had what we needed. We thought that nobody would listen to us. Have you ever been faced with spectator effect? where you know something is wrong or somebody needs help, but you decided 
it wasn't your business or you didn't have what was necessary. And maybe you were paralyzed with fear and just couldn't do anything about it. Taylor Walter says, fear is a funny thing. We will go to great lengths to avoid what frightens us. We will stay in unfulfilling jobs, toxic situations, and toxic relationships, avoid seeking justice, and suppress our God-given talents and calling because fear has us crippled. We will settle for a life that is just good rather than a life that is powerful and amazing. And then on the other hand, big fear is big business if you're in the horror industry. When these things occur, I want to suggest that we do what the scripture that read in our hearing said in verse 4b where it says, Nehemiah said, Then I prayed to God, the king of all kings, and said, If it pleases the king, and I have found favor in your sight. Nehemiah knew he couldn't do anything without the guidance of God, so he prayed as he cried out for help. There was a crisis in the streets of Jerusalem, much like the crisis across our country right now. And what happened to Nehemiah is not much different than what's happening on any given day or night on the streets in our community. It's become commonplace to turn on the news and there's some form of police brutality going on somewhere in this country. There are racially dividing comments being made by governmental officials. There's some form of budget cutting that continuously puts poor, the poor people in desperate positions and things have to turn around. The scary part is there are many people who have become numb to the death toll and numb to the people, number of people who are dying from corona, numb to the rules about wearing masks, numb to the number of people who are living in poverty. We turn our heads to preachers who are hiding behind curtains like they're the great eyes and not in the streets with the protesters looking to build a better future. The scripture said in Isaiah that the government shall be upon Christ's shoulders and if we are his representatives, then we are to be the ones to run the government. The truth is no longer a requirement for our elective officials and nobody is raising an eyebrow to this madness. Nehemiah said, O king, if I have found favor with you, please send me to the city so I can rebuild. When we look at the scripture, we see that this is what some biblical scholars call Nehemiah memoirs because the book is written in a first-person narrative. It recounts Nehemiah's role in constructing the walls of Jerusalem, expanding its populate, population. It recounts Nehemiah's role in correcting social abuses and supporting the worship life of the community. The first six chapters of the book deals with the reconstructions of, of reconstruction of the walls, and chapters seven through thirteen deals with reinstruction of the people. Don't miss me in the spirit. There are some Nehemiahs listening to this message, and the Lord is requiring that you write your memoir. Are you writing your life story, telling of how God has reconstructed the walls in your life that were completely in ruins, and how you were? assigned to reinstruct a lost and dying world because you were willing to tell them of a savior who loves you in spite of you. Nehemiah was just an ordinary man who was willing to heed the call to rebuild his torn down city. Read verse 17 of the scripture and I paraphrase when I say, Nehemiah said, you see the trouble in our city. 
You see the trouble in our state, our country. You see the trouble our world is in. It's torn up every which way you look. So I came to ask if you would be a part of the rebuilding of our nation. You, if you would come and help us build our city back up. I'll tell you like Nehemiah about the gracious hand of God and how he turned my life around. I promise you today that the same grace that was available to Old Testament town of, New, of Jerusalem, that same grace is sufficient for us today. I'm sure you're asking, Preacher, how do you move from watching the destruction in our community to being a part of the solution? How do you become a part of the reinstruction and reconstruction all at the same time? How do you stand against the Sambalots, the Tobias, and the Geshems in your life? How do you begin to reestablish the walls in your life and in our church? I'm glad you asked, because the first thing Nehemiah did was he prayed. He prayed and asked the Lord if it pleases you. So Nehemiah knew that he needed the pleasure of the king. Be open to hear from God. God speaks in many ways and he speaks often. Nehemiah's frequent, frequent recourse was to pray. He started off by saying, if it pleases the king. So I'm asking you, please don't go to do anything if you haven't sought the king of kings for his pleasure. When the king asks, what is it you want? Have a plan and seek his favor. Theologian David Guzik says, Nehemiah prayed and waited for four months with the kind of heart asking God, please let your attentive ear be to me and your eyes open that you may hear my prayer, which I pray before you now day and night. During those four months, Nehemiah's prayer was likely, Lord, take this burden from my heart or show me how to be the man to answer the burden. I'm sure some of us, many of us, are asking the Lord for that same prayer. Show us how we're going to be a part of the solution. Show us how we're going to get in the streets and do what needs to be done. And the good part about it is, verse 8 tells us that the king sent us with everything we need. We will know the voice of God and not hesitate to move when he speaks. So we must recognize the pleasure of the king, and then we must recognize we need the protection of the king. We have to examine our situations in our own lives. We must look at the possible obstacles that we may face as we are on our way to being a part of the solution. We must look at the places and the people that may keep us from accomplishing our goal. Acting like we don't have any decay in our walls doesn't make it go away. We must assess the damage and the possibility of those who will try to stop us as we attempt to rebuild. Nehemiah asked for letters to provide safety for his journey. He knew without the king's sanction, it was unlikely he would reach his destination without harm. The letters provided protection as he was passing from one geographical location to the other. We need the sanction of our governmental officials as we move from the oppressive systems um, to freedom for our people, as we dismantle and reconstruct systems that will allow all people the same access to health care, the same access to education, the same access to stable housing. You get the picture. So we must recognize we need the pleasure of the king. We need the protection of the king. And finally, we must recognize we need the provision of the king. 
just like Nehemiah, we need the right people, the right materials, the right place to stay, the right food to drink, food to eat and drink to endure our journey to rebuilding. Please don't think that you can do this by yourself. Nehemiah had to take a few good men with him. Nehemiah, Nehemiah realized he needed some help. He knew he was going to need materials, but he doesn't just jump into the project with everybody doing their own thing. Look at verse 12. It says he sets out with a few good men. People of God, you can't take everybody on your journey. Everybody is not going to be happy for you. God is going to assign the people who are supposed to be in this journey with you. As wonderful as you are, as beautiful as you are, you're still going to have some haters. So you're going to have to know who the right people are to go on this journey with you. You're going to have to recognize your Sambalots and your Tobias because they're going to do what they can to keep you from doing what God has assigned to your hands. Now, I want to tell you, Tobiah and Sambalot were not religious people. They were political. You'll catch that later. Stop trying to convince everybody that the Lord has spoken to you. Those that the Lord has assigned to you will be dispatched by God or they will be revealed to you. And when you talk to them, it will be a confirmation for them because God has already spoken to them. You don't have to let your enemies know of your approval status from their authorities. Stop trying to, to convince them. Simply say, the God who rules from heaven will give us success, and you will have no, have no part in it because you had no work in it. Nehemiah knew he was going to need some resources to get the job done. He needed human resources and financial resources and materials to build. He didn't go without seeking God all the way. As I close this evening, I'm asking you to join me in this fight for our family, for our community, for our churches, for our schools, for our people. The scripture told us that we were not alone in our fight because the hand of God was with us. I invite you now to join me. Nehemiah knew he could rejoice, and I want to rejoice with you as we rebuild our city. Nehemiah knew that the Lord was for him because God promised him success. He oversaw good work, but he never shouldered the burden alone. And when the hand of God is upon you, he'll give you the help from the Christian community as he did like the priest in chapter 3. When the favor of God begins to rest on you, the political folks like Sambalot and Tobiah in chapter 4 can't come against you. The political forces like Hannity and Rush Limbaugh will not be able to do us any harm. When the favor of God rests on you, you will be able, willing to help the poor and the marginalized like they did in chapter 5. When the favor of God is upon you, you will realize that we are one flesh, one blood, rooted in Jesus Christ. When the favor of God is on us, we will become incarnational ministry where the cities to which we've been sent can be rebuilt. I'm no longer sad because I have the favor of God.